This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Reynolds has turned the page to what's next by making it possible for you to retail anywhere. Discover your next chapter at reyrey.com slash me. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash me. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, February 16th, 2023. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, EV's share of the U.S. market surges to a new high. Tesla fires dozens of workers who sought to unionize, and Ford fights an $8 billion cost deficit. Plus, MIT research scientist Brian Reamer talks about his work probing how new driver assistance tech influences human behavior and how these systems differ by manufacturer. Consumers do things that you don't expect because, quite frankly, we're predictably irrational. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. New electric vehicle registrations saw a 57% increase in 2022. That's according to new data from Experian. EVs surged to 5.6% of the light vehicle market. That's compared with 3.1% a year earlier. The dramatic growth happened as the overall market slumped 11% in registrations to 13.6 million. Legacy automakers launched exciting new electric vehicles last year, including the Ford F-150 Lightning and the Kia EV6, but they barely dented Tesla's outsized market share. Tesla held 64% of the EV market last year. That's down from 71% in 2021. Total Tesla registrations jumped 41% over its 2021 performance. We'll dig more into the new registration data early next week on Daily Drive. Meanwhile, Tesla has terminated dozens of employees at its plant in Buffalo, New York. This comes one day after autopilot workers at the facility announced a union campaign. Organizers have filed a complaint with the U.S. National Labor Relations Board. The union, Workers United, accuses Tesla of illegally terminating the employees, quote, in retaliation for union activity and to discourage union activity. The union asked the labor board to seek a federal court injunction. Tesla officials, including CEO Elon Musk and the company's human resources chief, did not respond to inquiries. Ford says it has identified measures to secure 8% margins on its next-generation EVs due at mid-decade, but it could take years to close an overall cost disadvantage of up to $8 billion against competitors. CFO John Lawler says the automaker can save up to $2.5 billion this year through better management of production schedules and a drop in commodity prices. The automaker posted dismal quarterly results this month. It blamed chip shortages, supply chain disruptions, and production instabilities for adding to its costs. Lawler has said Ford faces $5 billion in higher costs this year. He says the company will be very aggressive in reducing expenses in its manufacturing, supply chain, and distribution operations. And Cadillac will reveal three more electric vehicles this year. The luxury brand's top executive says the models should start production in 2024. Cadillac Global Vice President Rory Harvey declined to share specific details about the vehicles or their segments during a briefing with reporters. He said they would be manufactured in multiple locations but did not say where. The brand aims to transition to an all-electric lineup in North America 
by 2030. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, we'll hear from an MIT research scientist who asked the question, just because we can engineer level three driver assistance systems, should we deploy them? That's next on Daily Drive. Reynolds & Reynolds recently announced a new logo and brand image to better reflect the company it is today and its vision for the future. Hear what Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, has to say about Reynolds' rebrand and the next chapter. I think, you know, if you look back, it really started, you know, probably two years ago with a new leadership team in place and the decision to kind of look at how we can be a better company and how we can better serve our customers and how we can help them be more successful. But it's really accelerated the last, you know, 12 months. This is a commitment to a new kind of company in my eyes and a new way of kind of cohabitating in the industry, helping our customers be more successful. And uh, you know, the marketing side of this is, I mean, it's certainly important to help to have a marketing organization that, you know, kind of takes your messages and makes them concise and, and impactful and, and broadcast that to the world. That's certainly a critical part you know, of what we're doing, but this is not a marketing program. This is you know, a company-wide initiative you know, to better serve the industry and to, you know, help us get to the next chapter uh, in automotive. Visit rayray.com slash me to learn more about Reynolds' vision for the future and discover your next chapter. That's reyrey.com slash me. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. An influx of new advanced driver assistance technology has hit public roads in recent years, and the pace is only accelerating. Mercedes recently announced it'll be the first automaker to deploy a Level 3 automated driving system on U.S. roads. What does that mean? Our own Pete Bigelow recently talked about it with MIT research scientist Brian Reamer on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You know, you and I have talked fairly often over the uh, years, and in preparation for for our conversation today, I went back and looked at some of the stories I've written about your work, your perspective on the industry, and there's there's one that stands out because it's timely. Back on July 21st, 2019, I wrote a story with the headline, Why Level 3 Automated Driving Technology Has Failed to Take Hold. And you said, and I quote, Level three pushes the boundaries on what you expect a human to do and makes it difficult to discern, am I driving or am I riding on a moment-to-moment basis? So fast forward to the present day, Brian, this is a bit of a long intro, but there are several automakers deploying level three systems in the US this year, and one could argue it's about to take hold. So I'm curious, has anything changed with regard to how you view level three automated driving technology? You know, it's interesting you should ask that because, you know, Junko Yusaita wrote a piece this morning talking about the gray areas of Arizona law and the L3 deployments that Mercedes is trying to push there. And I think that, you know, what has changed the scope and context of what L3 is and, and, and might be has gotten narrower over time. And it's become even more salient today, and you see this in Europe a lot lately, that level two and level four are the future. Level four, way out there until we're going to see integrated features that really do move me as a rider, um, either in a robotaxi that is widely deployed or in a feature in a car at some point, hopefully in the future. Level two, here today, balancing the aspects of convenience, hopefully appropriately with safety. But this mushy middle, um, is, is Bryant Worker-Smith you know, talked about several years ago of level three, is an engineer's dream 
in a lawyer's next yacht um, because the gray area in between, man, the legal system, and, and at least in the U.S., is going to dive into this really deep and really hard. So, you know, while we may be able to do this technologically, I do think that many of the manufacturers that are still pursuing level three are doing it to say they have designed and developed and deployed a feature. Whether they can ever make a profit on that feature is something that I think a lot of them have written off. Um, so $10,000 of sensing that you sell for, for a thousand bucks at best in a few thousand or a few tens of thousands premium vehicles that's rarely used you know, have really moved the needle anywhere. No. So I think a lot of what, what we once thought we can capture from L3 is really there in, in level two systems and perhaps level two systems that are, you know, more hands-free in nature, such as Super Cruise. All right, let's stick with level three for a moment as uh, I'm sure we'll dive into level two, but if you're one of these automakers like Mercedes in Arizona or Nevada right now, for, for one example, if you're deploying these level three systems, what are the questions or concerns that that jump to mind for you? Um, misuse and abuse. I mean, I think that consumers' use of technology rarely parallels that with the design team cohesively. Consumers do things that you don't expect because, quite frankly, we're predictably irrational. We do crazy things like text and drive or figure out I get the phone out of view of the cameras and do all kinds of crazy things that are outside of what the designer's purview is. But on the other hand is why are we automating to free resources to do other things? So I think folks will, you know, who do experiment with these systems, and I think they're going to be very small in production and, and your, you know, Mercedes is delivering to a very specific cohort of consumers. But folks who do you know, begin to explore these features, we'll explore them in ways well outside the, the purview of what the design team really envisioned. And we see that in some of the data we're collecting at MIT with other systems as well, is that, you know, and sometimes, yeah, they are used within that ODD and design scope. But in other cases, we see people using technology well beyond the designer's view. When you think of level three, and I guess we should kind of definitionally say a system where sometimes the the uh, human is driving and sometimes in which the car has taken responsibility for the driving away from the the human. Um, and then there's this, as you said, a kind of a mushy middle where there's this handoff from machine back to, to the human in particular. And I'm curious if, if there's um, a time limits that that'd be a best practice in terms of how long should a human have to, to retake control and, and regain situational awareness? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Pete, and a question I don't think there's a clear answer to. But I think that one, the difference between level three and level four is that in level three, the human's supposed to be there as a fallback ready user. Okay, so when the system does encounter something that they, you know, the system designers didn't account for, hey, human, it's your problem now. And, and, and quite frankly, Humans do require time to regain such awareness, situational awareness. And, you know, that's that's multiples of seconds, not fractions of seconds. Now, we can go to a deep debate how many multiples of seconds. In the context of a level four transition, though, we're talking about something that becomes planned in nature that you, you, you can begin to think about envisioning and designing a system where we are focused not on sudden transitions of the human will be responsible now, but planning for the transition when we're going to exceed the ODD in some way, shape or form. 
and the vehicle is really truly responsible for driving until there is a transition or a safe harbor sought. And I think that's the big you know, crux here is that we as humans are just not going to be there in a fraction of seconds. And that is where things have a tendency to go wrong. It's that last minute, the sensor fails, the roadway changes, something unpredictable happens. You know, Mercedes is a great illustration of an organization that does incredible engineering. But the roads in Germany are far better than the roads in America. Potholes and six-foot craters and high technology just don't go together. So all of a sudden, you're, you're dumping along, and all of a sudden, you hit this pothole, and all of a sudden, things don't work the way they should. I mean, I was driving the other day, and my BMW all of a sudden starts warning me that the active safety assistance and the forward collision warnings aren't working. Well, it was snowing and raining out, and all of a sudden, the sensors are blocked. All, you know, all of a sudden, it's telling me it doesn't work anymore. Well, what am I going to do? Pull over and start scraping the frost off the window? With this would be my last question for you on level three. Um, without firm answers about that handoff in terms of what's the ODD that these can, you know, what's what's predictable in terms of a handoff that's coming, how much time should should be allotted for such a handoff? Without firm answers to that, do you think it's safe for automakers to deploy level three systems today? I suspect it is, the question is not, is it safe or unsafe? Is it safe enough? And, 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 and the problem is, is that it's probably safer than we are in general because they're being deployed in very limited ODDs where the automation is actually probably protecting us in most of the situations. The problem is, is this is not a black and white answer, which means the legal system is going to fight on, is it safe enough? And there is enough academic literature to say, yes, we are terrible overseers of highly automated systems that the legal community is going to take hold of any major incidents here or set of incidents and have a field day. And as I said, look, you know, you can think about yachts pot on this topic area. Um, so, you know, as an OEM, just because we can engineer this, does it make sense to deploy it for the sake of technology? Or do we really need solutions that help enable humans to move more conveniently safer, more economically, more state sustainability, and we can think of all a bunch of terms in here. But again, what are we achieving with level three? Not much of that that we can't do with level two, mitigating a lot of unknowns out there. And I think what's the scary part of the unknowns is, is that much like, you know, we can think about autopilot in particular, um, you know, really setting the stage for level two with, with a system that you know, seems to be in the news way more frequently than we prefer to see, you know, Issues with level three vehicles will probably go the same way. Um, so we don't really want this stuff on headline news. We want this stuff being solved through engineering, good design, safety efficacy, and enhancing convenience at the same time. MIT research scientist Brian Reamer spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear the full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to our own Lawrence Iliff and Lindsey Van Hulley for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on innovation in tech, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about keeping tabs on the mental health well-being of dealership service drive technicians. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.